Welcome to this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church. Today we have a message that we believe is full of practical and relevant behavioral teaching from God's Word, the Bible. We'd like to invite you to grab a piece of paper and a pen. Take notes as you go through this looking for a personal application from God to you. Sit back and enjoy as we begin this message. Welcome back. I'm ready to get into Global Summit week number six. I just want to simply ask you this, uh, this question. How do you believe that God sees you? And also compare that to how do you see yourself? Now, you can get your notes out, get a pen or a pencil, get ready to take some notes, because I believe this is a critically life transformational message. And I'm not just saying that. I really believe how we see ourselves oftentimes, because I talk with many, oftentimes I believe the way we see ourselves is either very biblically incorrect or actually not only biblically incorrect, which is the most important, but it's also very destructive how we see ourselves sometimes because we we see ourselves through this critical eye of we know ourselves best, we know ourselves on our worst day most when others don't know, and so we see ourselves with a whole lot more knowledge than what everybody else does. But here's truth. We don't see ourselves with as much knowledge as God has about us. You see, God is our designer, He is our creator, and He sees us a specific way. But I just want to talk with you about a couple different ways that perhaps we see ourselves. Maybe we see ourselves, number one, very unworthy of God's presence. That's probably the number one thing that I hear. Why would God want to use me? What is it about God that, why would he ever find something good in me? Have you ever tried to pay someone a compliment and they say, no, that's not true. That is just, no, I don't see that about myself. And Or have you had someone do that with you where they're trying to speak something positive about you and you just are like, who are you describing? You're not describing me. I can't be the person that you're talking about. Well, that happens so often and it happens with a lot of us, if not all of us, at some time or another in our lives, we, have, we, we see ourselves through our grandest failure. And some of us, by the way, if we're really like loaded up with pride, see ourselves perhaps through our greatest successes. And they're really probably not as great as what we think they are. Well, isn't that probably the flip side could possibly be at some level true? Maybe it's not as grand a failure as you believe it to be. I don't know. It could be, to be honest with you. But one way or the other, we see ourselves, it seems as though we see ourselves and we expect that God sees us through the same viewing glass that we see ourselves. And that is with a very critical nature about that that God would see us as someone that he wouldn't want in his presence I can't tell you how many times I've heard the phrase, if I ever walk into church, pastor, the ceiling would fall. And I mean, I've heard that phrase all my life, and I've heard it from relatives, I've heard it certainly from family, I've heard it from friends, I certainly hear it from people that don't ever want to go to church. You know, in fact, uh, to be honest with you, most people here at SCRC know I tell very few people 
outside of a connection to this church. I tell very few people that Gina and I are, are pastoring at St. Charles River Church. I tell very few people because my experience has been when someone finds out I'm a pastor, they want to go so far away so fast. They don't want anything to do with the, the preacher, by the way. I don't either. I am not a preacher. I am a pastor, and I am so honored to be pastoring St. Charles River Church, and I hope that I have that privilege of pastoring you wherever you're located at some level. But I've got to really, I, just to be honest with you, we see ourselves through, through this glass of failure oftentimes, and, and I want to talk with you a little bit about the biblical view of how God sees us. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would. I just want to start this morning teaching from Psalms 66, and and establish the fact that He is God. Can I just throw it at you this way? It really doesn't matter what I think of me, frankly. Uh, and, and at some level, that you know, we we're uncomfortable with that statement. But here's the truth: what matters most is what God knows about us. Did you see the difference? Did you hear the difference? It doesn't really matter what I think about me. It does matter what God knows about me. Now, that is the most important thing because his opinion and his view and his perspective and his knowledge is all that matters. And when the enemy is accusing you and telling you how wretched you are, do you remember when you did this and this and this and this? And, and he's got this whole list of things and you're, and you're sitting there feeling this barrage, like drinking from the fire hose of failure. And, and you, you, you literally are like, God, I'm drowning in my failure. The enemy just wants to come in and make you feel like you can't succeed because of your past failures. I had a young man call me one time, and he, he called me Bear. He's uh, very close to me, very precious family member. And he said, Bear, I feel like every day the enemy reminds me that I'm a cocaine addict. I feel like every day the enemy reminds me of my past failures and the things that I did and the, you know, the, the dishonesty that I lived in. And, and I just continued to tell him, but that's not how God sees you. That is so not how God sees you. I want to... Just read from Psalm 66. Let me establish really quick that God is in control. The only opinion that matters is God's opinion. This is what uh, David wrote, the director of, of this of this psalm in Psalm 66. And I'm going to start with verse 1. And I'm just going to read a couple verses. Uh, it goes through approximately verse 7. Shout with the Lord to to shout with joy to God, all of the earth. It says, "Shout to jo- with joy to God, all of the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Make His praise glorious." In other words, He is establishing that He is worthy of praise. He is worthy of honor. He is worthy of your attention, undivided, and my undivided attention. He goes on to say in verse three, "Say to God, how awesome are your deeds." Satan, how, how, when was the last time you just woke up in the morning and said, God, you are awesome. Just the fact that you're the creator. God, you are awesome. Look at the handiwork of God. Look at who you are. God, I, I would simply say, I declare in the heavens, on the earth, and below the earth that you are God and you are God alone. In fact, that's what the writer of this, of this psalm is saying. Declare those things. Start your day off with those things. And, and recognize that He is God, and what you're really doing is, is establishing early in the day that the vantage point I'm going to take this day from is the Creator's vantage point, not my vantage point. 
How I see this day as a success or a failure, I'm going to see that through God's eyes, not my eyes. So I will start with my priority as far as from me and my house, Father, we will serve the Lord today. So we establish that you are God and you are worthy of praise. goes on to say, so great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. Do you know that when the enemy wants to come in and accuse you of things, the enemy cringes before God. When he starts to accuse you and you raise your hands and you just begin to worship God, the accuser, he has to flee. The Bible says in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not just that verbiage. It's not just saying those words. But when you're actually operating in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, the enemy flees from God's presence. So establish quickly your thought life early in the day as you declare, Lord, you are God, you are God, and you are going to be the God of my thoughts today. I'm going to establish that your viewpoint is going to be my viewpoint. Do you catch that? Your viewpoint of this day is going to be my viewpoint of this day. It goes on to say in verse 4, all of the earth bows down to, to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Come, verse 5, come and see what God has done, how awesome His works in man's behalf. Declare it before God. Your works are amazing, God. Your works on my behalf are amazing. Did you hear what I just said? Your works. It's not about my works. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith so that it's not, he said, so that no one can boast. You are literally saved by the grace of God. Through this amazing grace of God. So it's not about my works. The Bible says so that no one can boast about my works or, let me flip it, or my failures being so great. Do you catch that? So it's his works that matter. And that's what he declares to be truth. So it must be true. Not what I feel. What I think about myself. What I feel about myself has nothing to do with truth. Who God knows I am and who God purposes this day to be in my life. That's what matters. So we declare early in our day, every day we'll shout with, with joy to the Lord, all of the earth, and we will sing glory to his name. Let me jump into verse six. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through. Now he's talking about Israel when he set them free, uh, from the people of, of Egypt from, and, and he took them out of bondage out of Egypt. And he said he, he turned the sea into dry land when Moses raised the staff. He parted the sea. He says, and they passed through on the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. Understand something. The same God who parted the sea from Moses is the same God that will part your sea. When the enemy wants to take you down because of your past, when the enemy wants to make you think God hates you, disgusted, he's disgusted with you, that same creator is the one who's going to part the accusations. Those sea of accusations, he's going to part them, and he's going to make sure you cannot be touched by them. Do you catch that? goes on to say in, in verse 7, He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. His eyes watch the nations. God always sees the nations. He values people. God, the, the Word of God simply says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son. He values people. He watches people. And it's the people all over the earth. And as grateful as I am to be an American, can I just tell you, it's not just about America. This is about God loves the world so much. He values us. I want to give you a real quick illustration of something that I was able to do many years ago when our girls, Megan and Kristen, were very young. Very precious memories for me. We drove 
in a in a conversion van. We drove all the way from St. Louis, Missouri, all the way to the West Coast. I mean, we went and I think we stopped everywhere. Like to never got them out of the van. When we got into the desert, I said, I got to stop and see a cactus. And, the, and Megan was in the back going, it's a cactus, dad. Don't don't get so caught up with it's a cactus. I said, I know, but I've never been to the desert. I got to get out and kind of check it out. And so every once in a while, we'd stop and get out and walk. And we finally got out there and uh, just had an amazing two weeks actually with our girls that are one of it's one of the great treasured memories that we have uh, as a family between Megan, Kristen, Gina, my wife and I and it's a beautiful memory well we we kind of had to do some things for the girls but then I was on vacation too and anyone that knows me very well knows I love presidential history it doesn't matter which party they're on. You may not believe that, but it's true. It doesn't matter which party they're in or, or what their thoughts were. If they were presidential history uh, in the United States, I love going and studying leaders. I love true leaders. I love to study how they led, even if they led people improperly. I, I love to study that. And one of my longtime heroes is Ronald Reagan. Uh, Ronald Reagan was for me like our Churchill. He was, you know, the Winston Churchill, the UK. What an, what an amazing leader y'all had. If y'all are watching in the UK and I know you are Ronnie and Jillian in Scotland, I know you are. So I give you a shout out this morning. Uh, Winston Churchill, the, the, the whole, uh, leadership of World War II is just an amazing leadership. Well, we had our Ronald Reagan in uh, the 1980s, and I just came to revere him. So that was one of the stops. We went to the Nixon Library. We went to the Reagan Library. We also, on the way back, uh, stopped at the Eisenhower Presidential Library. And uh, one of the things that I purchased at the Ronald Reagan Library uh, back in whatever year it was, it was the 90s, 1990s, whatever year it was, I purchased this book. Now, it looks just like a book to you. It's like a regular old book to you that you'd pick out, and you could. Most You could probably go to Barnes & Noble and get this book, or you could order, order it, as my wife does, Gina, on Amazon. And by the way, tons of boxes these days. How about you? Coming from Amazon and everybody else, UPS, uh, everybody else is coming to our house as well. But this book looks like a regular book, but i got to tell you, when I walked into the presidential library uh, there in Simi Valley, California, uh, this book was just a regular book until the former president of the United States actually hand-signed this book. All of a sudden, this book became very special. You see, the, the author's signature is now on this book, and I still hold this book. I also purchased a picture from the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library that was hand-signed by President Ronald Reagan as well. These two items became very precious to me. They're very precious to me. And in, in fact, I got to tell you, I, I just find incredibly the value uh, of something like this just goes up emotionally for me. And every time I read through it, it's just it's a joy for me to be able to to look at something that I treasure. And I want you to know something. God treasures you in so much more fashion. The Bible says again that he loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Just think about this. He paid the ultimate price because he thought so much of you and for me. Now, that's not what the enemy is going to tell you. The enemy is going to tell you it's all about your worth and what you think you're worth. But that's not what God says. God says what matters is what I think of you, my value for you. 
and I'll prove it for you. I won't just tell you about it. I will send my son. Think about this. When Christ came, it changed the whole world's perspective. It literally changed a whole world calendar. So I want you to grab onto that. It doesn't matter what I think of myself. What matters is what God knows about me. And I want you to know something. He is speaking things into you today. Every day. The Bible says he's doing a new thing in you. The Bible says that every day he places a new song in your heart. God is absolutely so over the top in love with you. He values everything about you and he is very protective of you. And whether you hurt yourself or someone else hurts you and you become a victim, God loves you. And he is wounded through that. And the Bible teaches us that he so wants to come in and rescue us. God sees us. In fact, let me just share this with you. God sees us as, number one, unable. If you're taking notes, number one, he sees us as unable to do this ourselves. We can't reconcile ourselves with God. He sees us as unable to do it ourselves. And so God sees himself as this this prince riding in on a white horse uh, to rescue his bride, you know, and, and by the way, the Bible says that we are the bride of Christ. Get those analogies because they're so important in the teaching of God's word. You're so amazing to God. He loves you so much and he values you so much that he is going to ride in on a white horse. And by the way, Revelation 19, you wait, he's actually going to ride back to the earth on a white horse. When he comes back, the sash will say King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the God we're talking about today. This isn't some wimpy God who's looking for any excuse to throw you aside. He actually sees you and me as unable to do it ourselves. And so he says, all right, I will come and do it on your behalf. You know, we we get this impression that when God sees us, he sees our failures. Can I tell you the truth? When God sees you, he sees Jesus in you. He doesn't see you. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ that is covering the sin like a an artist who is... Just think about this. This artist who is painting this beautiful, beautiful portrait. And he's putting the base coats down. In fact, can I... Uh, let me just tell you of, of an actual instance in my life. Years ago, my parents owned an apartment up in Baden, Missouri. Now, if you don't know Baden, it's a, a, it's kind of a, a small north city a uh, little neighborhood. By the way, I loved, I was raised around the Baden area. I was raised around the Ferguson area, for those of you who maybe remember the, the infamous Ferguson. I, I was, I was raised in the North County of the St. Louis area. And uh, we, my dad called us one day, my two brothers, BJ and Brian and myself, and he said, I got an apartment I need you to paint. There was a fire. I think they, uh, they, they burned it accidentally and there was a, either a cigarette or something burned several walls inside this upper apartment. And we went in there. I want to tell you what, the walls were charred black. I mean, they were black. And it was hard to breathe in there. We had to open the windows. It was just dirty and filthy, and the, the drywall was scarred. So I don't even remember the name of the product, but there was this white sealant paint that you would go in and you would literally, if the dry, if the drywall was still intact, you would put a coat of this stuff over. Uh, and, and what it would do is it would not only cover the black scarring, it would also cover the smell. 
the the smell, the stench that was in that apartment from the fire. And uh, we had to wear masks. This isn't my first era in my life where I had to wear a mask. I had to wear We couldn't even understand what we were talking about. We'd have to take the mask up and say it. And by the way, some of you are doing that today at the grocery store. And you pull your mask back down. And so yeah, I got people here laughing because it's the truth. We, we're, we're not doing well with masks. Well, I didn't do with mel- that well with masks the, that couple of days. But every coat we would put on this of white it would cover just another layer of the black and that's what it was intended for to seal the black so that when we saw those walls in the end and the final coat was put on it was a beautiful white as snow reflection that we saw get the picture God is so covering through the blood of Jesus Christ, the sin, the black, the dark, the, the, the scarred, the, the smell, the stench of our past sin. What God does is he puts this coat of, of, of this crimson red all over this. And when God sees me and God sees you, he doesn't see me or he doesn't see you. He sees Christ. When God looks down upon us, he sees the covering of Jesus Christ and he sees Christ in you. So number one, he sees us as unable. And secondly, I just want to throw this to you. He sees us as his kids. He's a, he treasures us. Those of you who are parents, you know what it is. You treasure your babies. You treasure your babies. You're always looking out for their safety. You're looking to see if something might you know, if a car might be coming down the street, if a ball rolls out in the street, you get this protective nature about you, mom and dad. Or if you're a single parent, you get this protective nature about you. And, and you're watching, uh, and moms, mama bear cub comes out in you sometimes. You see a boy that's going to hurt your little girl's feelings, mama bear comes out. Because you see, they're your children, they're your babies, they're your treasures. God sees us as, number three, His treasure. He sees us as the the most treasured of all. And He'll do whatever it takes to redeem us or to buy us back. And that's what He did at the cross 2,000 years ago. He sees us as His greatest treasure. So much so, the Bible says that He gave His Son so that we could know Him in an intimate and in a personal way. And can I just tell you, I'm going to wrap it up with the last thing. God sees us as Always under attack. Because you see, the enemy always comes with accusation. Can I just give you a hint? If you feel accusation against you, just know that's not the voice of God. God does not accuse. God, God the Holy Spirit, comes in and he beckons you to him. The word says, he tells us, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. He doesn't repel you from him. That's the enemy that comes in with accusation after accusation. Learn the voice of God. Learn the voice of your Father. You see, the more you talk with God and the more you get into God's Word, you'll learn what God would say to you and what God would not say to you. The more you talk to someone, the more you know their voice. I have said this on several occasions. What would happen if my wife called me up, if Gina called me up and said, Hi, baby, and I said, Well, who's this? How would that go? I mean, how would that go? You know, I know my wife's voice because I have been married to her this month, 39 years. 39 years. I've had an intimate relationship with my wife. I know her voice. I know when she's, when she's loving on me. And I know there's, there's times it's like, I know that voice too. The other times where, you know, she's wanting to get a point across to me. God speaks with us and he wants to get a point across to us. But you'll know something. 
It's the voice of your heavenly father who's rooting for you to succeed. He's not the God who throws accusation after accusation after accusation, but rather he's the God that sees you as so redeemable. He's the God that sees you as so worthy to come after and to rescue as his bride. And I want you to know something. If you've never met Jesus Christ, I don't know where you're watching this broadcast from. We've got friends, Alan Keisha, up in Columbus, Ohio, met him on a cruise ship, and they've been to our home. We've been to their home. They're part of St. Charles River Church. In fact, they're Columbus, Ohio, St. Charles River Church Extension. I mean, and, and I'm, so I'm giving a shout out to them. But it doesn't matter where you are. You may be in Las Vegas, Nevada, precious friends of mine, Dale and Rachel Eggers and the entire Eggers family. You may be there and you may be watching from there. You may be wherever you're at, a different country, Central America, South America. You may be from the UK. You may be from like our friends, Ronnie and Jillian are from Scotland. You, you know, Wherever you are from and you're listening to this, if you can understand in English, I just want to ask you this question. How does God see you? How does God see you versus how you see yourself? I just believe this, that the Bible teaches us that we need to see ourselves and, by the way, see others the way God sees us all. Maybe we would actually speak to others in a totally different way. Maybe we would judge people a whole lot less if we saw people the way God sees us through eyes of compassion Maybe it's not even a bad idea when we pull up to a stoplight and we see someone standing there with a sign instead of being aggravated at them for their own situation that they caused, perhaps. Why don't we just drop that and maybe look at them the way God looks at us? Remember, one of the first things I said was maybe they're just unable. Maybe they just need a miracle from God. Well, I want to talk to you about miracles in the next few weeks. And I just want to just ask you, how do you see yourself compared to how God sees you? If you would like to see yourself the way he does, I want to pray with you this morning because I believe that's certainly his plan for you. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, just pray this prayer with me this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you because you are true and you are God. We've established in the heavens and on the earth and below the earth that you are God, the creator, and you are in control. And I believe that how you see me and what you know about me supersedes what I know or think about myself. I'm asking you, God, to forgive me of my sin. I want to turn them over to you once and for all. I don't have to come back again. That's what your word says. Once and for all time, I can give my sin to you. And I receive you into my life as Lord and Savior, always knowing, always knowing that you are going to work good in me. And Father, forgive me on the days that I fail you. But Lord, raise me back up and put me back on my feet just like a father would a child who has fallen and root me on because I believe that's who you are, God. I, I surrender my life to you. I receive you as Lord and Savior today in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the, that message, not so much uh, because it was something that you just found pleasing to hear, but maybe it was something that you needed to hear. Maybe it was something that you really needed to hear. Don't forget, send a comment. Just go ahead. There's, there's places you can comment and, and jump in along the way and let us know that God is speaking to you because we believe he speaks to you too. 
Uh, in just a few minutes, I mentioned it to you earlier in the broadcast, Pastor Mike Alexander is going to be joining us after some worship with Pastor Mike Bowie and, and the worship team. And uh, we're going to come back and do communion together. If this is today, really, if this is a day that you really committed your life to Christ, this would be a great day to take the first communion that you've ever taken as a brand new believer in Jesus Christ, or perhaps a recommitted believer in Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm excited about what God is going to do. Don't forget, go back and look at those notes. Uh, replay this broadcast if you need to get some more notes and to write down some more scripture. Just now, let me just give you this. First John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Go look that up. I just believe you'll be so moved by what God thinks of man, how much God loves us. Go look that up. I would just dare you to do it. I believe it'll transform your day. God's word always transforms our mind. So God bless you. Have a great day. We're going to go ahead and actually jump into some worship, a time of worship. Make sure you have your communion supplies ready to go because it's, it's a very moving occasion. God bless you. We hope you found this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church both beneficial and enjoyable. If you're ever in the area, please come by and visit us. You can also reach us online at www.stcharlesriverchurch.org.